0: This is 2021. This is the Betfred Red Super League. Be ready. Hello again, everyone. It's good to have you along once more for this week's Eddie and Stevo, the podcast, sponsored and supported now, as many of you will already know, by the game's official sponsors, Betfred. Right, let's get straight on it. Stevo's waiting for us in Australia. Uh, you weren't too well last week, Stevo. Uh, hope you're a bit better this week.
1: Yeah, the tablets seem to be working, Eddie, but um, <laughs> I'm only up to six tablets a day now. Oh, you would be rattling. So yeah, so I think I'm I'm, I'm a OK. I'm not coughing as much, but once again, it'll surprise people in the UK. It is very cold. It's five degrees here in
0: Sydney. You could you you can't can't believe it. Well, that's amazing because here over the bank holiday weekend, uh, spring moved into summer and it has been glorious thus far. But doubtless you'll be sending some clouds and rain up. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure about
1: that. <laughs> well,
0: no, no. Uh, you just get the sunshine. You've you've had some bad weather, don't worry. Oh, we have. We've had some shockers. Right, let's talk about the Rugby League. Uh, and we're going to start this week concentrating on the Betfred Challenge Cup semi-finals that will be played this Saturday at the Lee Sports Village. I must say also, before we go any further, the BBC are doing the women's game proud because they are showing... On BBC Two, before the two men's semi-finals, they're showing the Women's Challenge Cup final. Uh, And that should be a great occasion, a great way to push the women's game. And it's about time,
1: Eddie. It's about time that we spread the wings. Though we'll go up to that a little bit later on in the show in regards to the academy. Because there's all hell let
0: loose over that. There has. The furore continues about that. Right, the uh, two semi-finals. Uh, Bet Fred... Have got St Helens at 11 to 8, Warrington at 11 to 4, Hull at 3 to 1, and Castleford at 5 to 1 to go to Wembley and lift the trophy. And after last weekend's results in Super League, it looks like the bookies have got it absolutely spot on, don't you think? Well, they normally get it
1: right, Eddie, but I just have an inclination to say that both Hull and Castleford, I think it's difficult to say they threw the towel in, but I didn't think that they had their best side. A lot of people were out injured, supposedly, but in my opinion, both Hull and Castleford had their eyes
0: on Wembley. Well, it's a massive prize, isn't it? A huge prize, and so early in the season, uh, and for Castleford in particular, uh, and Hull, you know, it would be it would be a major achievement to get there, just to get there. Yeah, of course it
1: will, and 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 Powell realises what a way to finish, even if they lose at Wembley. To get Castleford to Wembley yet again would be a feather in the cap of Powell. And of course, the new coach at Hull, wow, we got to Wembley the first season that I was in charge. So there's little doubt in my mind. A lot of people may accuse me of being biased and saying
0: the wrong thing, but I (laughs) have to say they had their eyes on Wembley. I've a sneaking feeling, though, that Warrington and St Helens fans, after last week's results, just might be booking their coach trips already. They might be thinking it's a foregone conclusion.
1: Well, I'd hang on to that because, as we know, semi final time. You know, semi finals over the years, when you analyse them, it's not about playing football, it's about doing it tough, it's about getting your defence. Stop the opposition. It doesn't matter how you get there. You've got to get to Wembley. And that doesn't indicate that you play fancy football. They'll want to try to do that, but I think both St. Helens and Warrington realise they can't just open up and blow them away. And I think Hull and Castleford, they will be up for this. It
0: will be a tight competition. But I've been <laughs> wrong before. Not many times. Not many times. (laughs) Uh, I just wonder, you know, uh, Saints won the dress rehearsal last Friday against Hull, 34 points to 16. Frankly, it was a scoreline that flattered Hull. But we should remember, when Hull beat Wigan in the quarterfinals, they'd lost to Wigan in the Super League the previous week. So they are capable of bouncing back.
1: Well, of course they are. It's, It's just what those two coaches we've been looking at. And they be and, and of course the St. Helens and Warrington, they're odds on favourites. Bet Fred make them odds on favorites. But you just never know in a semi final. I once played in a semi final and we were odds on to win. And Bradford just thrashed us, just knocked Dewsbury off the pinnacle. Everybody said it's a foregone conclusion. Bradford was so far down the league table, Dewsbury were going to Wembley. We didn't. Because we tried to play football and they just gave it to us. They threw everything at us. There was a few anvils around at Headingley, that particular <laughs> semi final, I can assure you. We learned the lesson, we went on to win the championship, which was a great consolation. But it just indicates that odds on
0: favourites can come unstuck when it comes to a semi final. Well, they can. The, the, the one thing I will say, though, is that you just can't turn form on and off week after week. You know, one week you can play badly, next week play well, and vice versa. You, you've got to show a touch of consistency, yeah. You? Well, you'd hope so, Eddie, but
1: as we mentioned before, there's no doubt in my mind that the coaches of Hull and Castleford gave away the game. I didn't say that they didn't just try or anything of that nature, but... Sometimes when you get two, three scores against you, your mind goes to, well, we've got that semi-final the following week. That indicates to me that both the coaches realised it, and they had a lot of people out, especially Castleford. Uh, though they won't be happy with the fact that George Griffin has got a one-match suspension, so he
0: misses the semi-final, and he's a big loss. Well, he is. And, um, you know, the fact that they had the big loss last week, I mean, 60 points to six against the Leeds Rhinos. Um, and they scored first. Uh, but then uh, you look back at the team sheet, no Jake Truman, no Niall Evols, no Oliver Holmes, no Michael Shenton, no Adam Milder, no Nathan Massey. You know, uh, I think they were, I agree with you, I think they were holding something back for this weekend.
1: I rest my case. You've just gone through half the team, which will make a difference this weekend. When they come back, there'll be a different side.
0: It'll be interesting. It's being called up here the Daryl Powell semi-final, this one, because, of course, the Tigers against the club that he'll be uh, taking charge of next year. Daryl said the defeat to Leeds was, uh, well, a little bit tough to take, uh, but in cup football, though, any football... As I say, you can't you can't turn off the form just like a tap. You can't turn it on and off.
1: Yeah, but you just explained Eddie to all the listeners in regards to how many key players were not playing against Leeds. There's some good players that you just rattled off there, and it wouldn't surprise me if Castleford get over the top of Warrington. Because if Warrington try to come out and
0: play open football, it's a no-no when it comes to semi-finals. It is, and Warrington didn't hold anything back against Salford. They ran up sixty points as well. Um, they were beaten easily with Salford. We'll come on to them in a minute. But uh, Gareth Widdop for Warrington, he's on fire just now. Two tries last weekend. He's playing really well. It's
1: amazing, isn't it? All the publicity about Widdop
0: going back to Australia,
1: uh, and he's just up the tempo. And if you up the tempo in the UK, it probably will up the tempo about his wage. When
0: he goes back to Australia, because they are still chasing him. You think he'll end up back there? You really do? You think Gareth Whiddub's on his way home at the end of this year? Well,
1: everyone over here seems to think so, that uh, he's been offered a very, very good contract. Particular clubs, we don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. But it's on the agenda. The media over here feel that he's, he's on his way. And talking of which... You know, George Burgess, he had that hip operation that finished his career at Wigan. Well, now there's suggestion that he will return to Australia. And he says that the, the operation has been such a success that is now being suggested that he will join the
0: Dragons. Well, wow, it must be miracle surgery because he looked he looked finished, didn't he? Absolutely finished. That's right. But, uh, as you know,
1: surgery these days, I mean, 20 years ago, a lot of people would have had to retire. And then 10 years ago, a lot of people would have to retire, but the surgery, I mean, it it just, it's so good these days that they can, you know, they they, they can mend, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just amazing now, you know, years and years ago you were finished and now you've got a chance because everything now is becoming bigger and better. And let's hope, listen, he's still a good player, I'm sure. He still keeps himself fit. And that's the rumour.
0: George Burgess is on his way back to Aussie. Is it going to be the Dragons? Who knows? Well, I'm sure that you will tell everybody because that's one of the things that people always say to me about this podcast. We love the gossip that Steve-O comes up with from Australia. And we'll have more of that shortly. Let's talk about Salford. You know, the crowds are back. It's, it's worrying for Salford, though, uh, because although they, they've come back and only 4,000 allowed at the Games, with the exception of Catalan, who were restricted to 1,000 by the French government, just over 2,300 turned up at the AJ Bell Stadium, Steve-O, and about 300 Warrington fans were there as well. You know, it seems that, that Salford couldn't sell the tickets.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, ever since they moved away into the new stadium, It's always a bit of a problem, isn't it? It's not easy to get there, and I don't know. It's just that when you take it out of the heart of Salford, and I know it's supposed to be in still in that area, but it's amazing. yeah. Yeah, and when you go to a new stadium, sometimes it just
0: does not work. No, they've struggled there. We've said, haven't we, and um, we did say when we were on telly, you know, come on, people of Salford, get out and support them. And to be fair, in 2019, when they went to the grand final, in 2020, just last year when they made it to Wembley, the supporters did turn out. You know, there were 8, 9, ten thousand 10,000 at those two games with Salford colours on. Where are they now?
1: Well, it's amazing. Uh, I suppose the results doesn't help, does it? Because trying to get yourself organised, uh, the pandemic certainly has got something to do with it as well because the pre-season sales for tickets etc for a season ticket uh, it wouldn't have been good for any of the teams especially a team that's struggling at the moment and I'm afraid Salford are doing just that
0: they are one team that isn't struggling though the Catalan Dragons what form they are in just now they beat Wigan 48 points to nil in Perpignan, a third win in a row, having beaten Hull and St. Helens the previous week. They are a delight to watch at the moment, you know. Ooh la la, my
1: word. <laughs> they, they really No, they're playing some good stuff. And it's coming at a time, Eddie, where a lot of people don't seem to realise that the likes of Sam Tompkins. Look, the World Cup's coming up later on this year. Sam Tompkins wants to play for England. He wants to be there. And there's only one way that you can say that you're going to be selected is be one of the best in Super League. And at the moment, he is. Isn't it amazing? His brother, Joel Tompkins, threw a few punches. He gets a four-game ban and Hardacre puts the headbutt and only gets two matches.
0: How's that work out? Well, which is the worst crime? You know, these days you can't throw a punch. I mean, you'd have been off more times than you were on the field when you were playing if you can't throw steady, a punch. Steady, steady down, <laughs> steady down. But you're right. A headbutt two games and four punches swung four games. It, 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 it doesn't seem right, I must say. It doesn't seem no, right. No, it's not,
1: it, Well, it's not right because you can throw half a dozen punches and maybe only one catches the face or whatever. A headbutt, well... You're only going to put your head in that position into the opposition's head. And yet,
0: it gets twice as many matches. Sounds weird to me. It does. And, of course, Joel was coming to the rescue of Sam because Zach Hardacre nutted Sam. Sam's head hit Joel. And then Joel saw red. So, it was a a family family feud, (laughs) I think. Back to the Catalan (laughs) Dragons. Um, we talk about Sam Tompkins. There was a, a host of Wiganers playing in that match against Wigan. But how impressed were you with this Arthur Morgue, who wears number one on his back. He can play full. He can play anywhere, actually. But I think he came on and replaced Michael McElorum. And the young man we've mentioned before on this podcast, Matthew Laguerre, two fabulous young players starting to make a mark.
1: French as well, which is a great indication that they are doing a good job down in the south of France. It's so important to be bringing youngsters through. And once again, later on, we'll talk about the academy situation. It's all about giving the opportunity for youngsters like the two that you've mentioned, giving them a chance to play at the top level. Whereas the academy, there's a problem going on. And why would you want to stop young people playing the greatest game of all? Confusing?
0: Yes. Well, that furore does continue, you're right, um, over the de- decision by the Rugby Football League not to award five Super League clubs with elite academy licences. It's not going away. Hull Kingston Rovers have now lodged an appeal and they've got one of the finest uh, academy ambassadors, if I can use that term, in John Bastian on their books. and He's talked about the heartbreak that has uh, been uh, thrust upon the club and having to tell the youngsters, that there's not much of a future for them. Other, I think, other um, appeals will follow. Not been a good well, week it, for the governing body. No,
1: no, none whatsoever. And and uh, I think is the uh, the parliamentarian for East Hull, Carl Turner, and he's actually brought it up in Parliament. And so he should. When it all comes down to it, why stop giving youngsters an opportunity to play rugby league?
0: It sounds daft, if I can use an old Yorkshire expression. Well, yes, it does. But there's nothing to stop the clubs having academies. The elite academies obviously are funded by central funds. But the other clubs, they can still run academies. Okay, in further institution uh, leagues, college leagues, that sort of thing. But there's nothing to stop them in theory, running an academy. There's just no cash. Well, you can't be so successful if you've got no cash. And let's face
1: it, it isn't though that rugby league is overrunning with, with, with money in the UK. So they've every right to complain about it. I, I think it's a bizarre move by the rugby football league. And I, I don't know where this has come from. Out of nothing, when you think about it, They're just going to prevent so many youngsters from playing the game. I know they can say, oh, you can go to another division. You can do this. You can do that. But we don't have the finances to be able to do that, to do it correctly. So why are they preventing five clubs from doing that?
0: The Rugby League's chief executive, Ralph Rimmer, tried to defend uh, their decision uh, with Terry O'Connor and Brian Carney on Sky on Thursday night. Um, The clubs, he said, all knew uh, what was going on over the past three years. There was uh, an ongoing review, uh, but nothing much happened at club level. Uh, Ralph says, you know, the academies haven't produced at the right level at this particular time. Hence the reason why the decision has been taken.
1: I can understand that. And quite frankly, I saw the interview, Eddie. There is always an impact in regards to when they say we will have an investigation. Now, I mentioned it last week in regards to the RFL probably think that they're giving a good boot up the backside for those that have not been accepted. Now, I can understand that. But in this day and age, through this pandemic situation, we need support financially and they're not giving it. So that gives an indication that they can't afford to be able to do what they could have done if they got money from the RFL.
0: There's not a lot of money going around, Eddie. Well, not a lot of money full stop in a, in a lot of sports. But what do you expect the clubs to do? Plant a magic money tree. I mean, where's the money going to come from if it's not coming from central government?
1: Well, they, this is why they're complaining. This is why they say, well, it, 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 it's tragic. And it is tragic. It's got to be a defeatist attitude when you are going to run the risk of a lot of youngsters go play another sport. We can't afford to do that. They got this loan from the the government last year in regards to it should have covered it. What are they doing with that money?
0: I've yet to know how it's being sliced up. Maybe someone will tell us. Uh, Ralph did come up with a a startling statistic. He said in Rugby Union, there are 9,000 young players involved in their game. In Rugby League, the total is 1,400. On the face of it, there's a hell of a lot of work to be done. Well, of course there is. But denying them money
1: is not going to help it. All it's going to do is just irritate people. We've got to understand that it's quite simple. If Rugby Union are doing it right, why can't the Rugby League... Do it right. The RFL have got to look, sit down, and sort a few things out. We know week in, week out that youngsters are not playing our game for different reasons. One in the UK is because they don't have the finances, the other one down here in Australia is because of the high tackles, it's because of the concussion and such an extent that a rugby league legend like steve mortimer has come out about his battle against dementia now he's urged the support of the latest clampdown is it any of these blokes who have criticised peter Volandis, who has brought out the situation where the referee says sin bin send off etc for a high shot and that's what Vlandi is trying to do is to get rid of all these bring-back-the-biff-idiots and understand that the players are being concussed so in later life they could finish up
0: with dementia. It's a fascinating argument, and of course it's coming at the time when the State of Origin series is just around the corner. Now in State of Origin, traditionally, penalties, well, you might get two or three in a match. Mike New. you. So it'll be very interesting to see how the New South Wales and Queensland teams, how they handle State of Origin this year in, in view of all this. It's going to be difficult, Eddie, because a lot of people, a lot of players, ex-players, etc.
1: they're all saying you can't have a State of Origin without the Biff. Well, I'm saying, yes, you can, because it's not all about just getting into each other. You can have a tense game. You can have a tough game. You don't have to belt people or come in late or use your elbows or your knees to have a game of rugby league. Everyone seems, in, especially in this country, they say you know, it's the ultimate. State of origin is the ultimate. Some people say that it's more important than a test match or a World Cup. I'm not so sure about that. But what I am sure about is that if we do not clean up the game, We won't have any youngsters playing it.
0: They'll go to another sport. Simple. There are five Penrith Panthers in the New South Wales team. You must be delighted. In the starting 17, five of them.
1: Well, I tell you what, Eddie, I must must be wrong with my maths. (laughs) Because I've got down six Panthers are playing for the New South Wales team. I thought there was one of
0: the 18th man. No.
1: Well, he's still in the squad of the New South Wales.
0: <laughs> he's not the starting 17.
1: <laughs> well, the po- yeah, but the point is, Eddie, that if he's in the squad, he can't play for Penrith this weekend in in, for the Panthers. Right, OK. Are you with me? So, yeah, I'm with you. In other, words, in other words, the Panthers, I don't like to argue with Eduardo, <laughs> but all I'm saying is that six of those Panthers can't play this weekend. And it's a funny thing, there's only one panther that's playing for queensland kirk capewell and he's a good player and you know what he's done he has closed down all his group chats and he has blocked every single phone number of the Penrith players that are going to play for new south wales this is serious stuff
0: i'm not talking to you george williams from australia The Wiganer, his name's still on everybody's lips over here. Any more news on Georgie Boy? Well, it's become a bit of a saga because
1: down in Canberra, there is a lot of speculation that something is not right. Not just on the George Williams sort of thing, but also Josh Hodgson. They reckon that he's not right. Uh, There's a lot of rumours in regards to Josh Hodgson being chased by the Brisbane Broncos not to play as a hooker. We mentioned it slightly last week. They want him to play as a halfback. In other words, a new or extra scrum half. They don't want to play him as a hooker. They think that he's more valuable, would you say, but to play in the halfback position. So there seems to be a lot of speculation down there that, the English lads aren't too happy. Now, George Williams came out and said that um, he'd been kicked out of the club, which I thought was a little bit harsh. But quite a lot of the the, uh, the Canberra players uh, wrote back on on the websites that they agreed with Williams. Some of the players agreed with Williams and maybe give the indication that all is not well in the capital of Australia.
0: It sounds like it isn't, and that story will run and run. I must just congratulate you, by the way, before we go any further, because three weeks ago on this podcast, you announced to the world that Oliver Gildart was moving from Wigan to West Tigers. That doesn't happen all that often, Eddie, does it? (laughs) Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. But, you know, on on the weekend, on the Sky Match, it was apparently breaking news midway through the second half. I thought, we've... We've broken this three weeks ago. What sort of breaking news is this? We're ahead of the game, steve That's why Bet Fred's with us. Well, they know a thing or two, don't they?
1: <laughs>
0: they, they knew which sort of podcast they should get involved with. Uh, listen, I'd like to end on a bright note. And what brighter note is it than this? Bradford Bulls are back at the Old Stadium. They've signed an 18-month tenancy agreement with the owners. This just happens to be the Rugby Football League. There were 4,000 in there at the weekend to see the win against York and Newcastle are coming up this weekend. Fantastic news, this, for the once mighty Bradford. Yeah, it is. And full credit, you know, to the supporters. They've been moved
1: to Dewsbury. They've had to move down to the football field. Remember, years ago... But they always stuck with them. They've always had the support. And it's good for Rugby League that they are back into it. And stock car racing. Oh, I can't wait to go for that. Stock car <laughs> racing. We've yeah, gone but... from Cinder. Going- when I was a young kid, my dad took me to the speedway there.
0: I thought it was fantastic. And now stock cars. I can't wait. Well, I'll let you go and get your, yourself sorted out. And we'll talk to you again next week. Stay safe. Stay safe.